Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. This is Scott Reichel, and this is the Betting Barrier Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the Bay Area's number one sports podcast network. The only place of the show for every team in the Bay Area and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're also available in your favorite directory, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. You can find me on Twitter at Shell Radio. On this week's show, we're going to talk about the San Francisco 49ers and their upcoming football matchup over the next week. But before we do all that, we have a quick word from our sponsor. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on the football field once again. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more props, odds, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football-related. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use the promo code NFL100. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back, everyone, to the Abinabaria Podcast. For a break, we previewed what we are going to do for this week's show. Once again, talk about the Niners' upcoming NFC Championship game against the Philadelphia Eagles taking place on Sunday. But before we get into that breakdown, do want to recap how we did last week and how the Niners did last week. Starting off with the Niners, obviously they won because they're still playing, so that's definitely a good sign. Uh, as for us, we ended up splitting. We won with the Niners minus the three and a half. We thought that the Niners would win and cover. Thought the game would be a bit more high scoring as we did have the over, and that was not close as both defenses were incredible throughout the entire game. But the Niners defense was better. Dak had a bunch of really dumb decisions, and he threw two picks, and the Niners took advantage. Eventually, McCaffrey broke through for the first touchdown in the second half there, and you ended up seeing the Niners win the game 19-12. to So, nice job by the Niners. Didn't look great, but they got the job done, and now they have to travel on the road to take on Philly because Philly was able to blow out the Giants in their divisional round game after having a bye in the first round. I'll get into their game in a second, but starting off with the Niners here, 19 to 12 was the score. It was really ugly. The Niners led at the half, despite not scoring a touchdown. As you saw, Robbie Gould continue to make playoff field goals in his career. Now he is 29 for 29 in his career in the playoffs after he went three for three in yes in uh sorry he went four for four in last week's game, but you went three for three in the first half to give them the lead. So looking at the actual breakdown. Starting off with Purdy, I thought he was fine. It looked like Shanahan was extremely cautious to let him do anything early in the game, which is why the offense was a little bit stagnant early on. But Purdy ended up going 19 of 29 for 214. No touchdowns, no picks, sacked twice, and QBR of 53.1. Overall, he was fine. I said before in the in the first quarter and a half, Shanahan really didn't let Purdy do much. Cowboys did a great job defensively all game long, but then eventually found Kittle open a couple of times in the second half, set up some big drives, and that culminated in the McCaffrey rushing touchdown. But Purdy was fine, didn't make any mistakes, and that was really the story of the game because Dak Prescott did, but I'll get into his stats in a second. Look at the ground game. Elijah Mitchell was pretty good, 14 carries, 51 yards, as he did help ice the game. Unfortunately, he went out of bounds after getting a first down there, so he actually gave the Cowboys possession with about a minute to go. Because if he fell down inbounds, the Cowboys would have had probably 10 seconds. But it didn't matter in the end. McCaffrey didn't do much on the ground. 10 carries for 35 yards, but did have the touchdown. Debo Samuel, four carries for 11 yards. That was basically it. George Kittle, I mentioned before, was great. He had five catches for 95 yards. Had the 
really impressive juggling catch there in the second half, which really helped spark the offense a bit. And besides that, nobody else really did much. Debo had 45 yards on four catches. Juwan Jennings had two catches for 26. Ayuk had two catches for 26. One of them, though, was a big first down, uh, was a big conversion there for first down late in the second half. And then you had, you had McCaffrey, who had six check down catches for 22 yards. So the receiving core didn't do much besides Kittle, but they didn't need to because the defense took over the game. For the turnovers, they had one. Ray Ray McLeod did fumble on that punt return, which set up Dallas with a three field goal. But once again, the Niners did a good job defensively of holding Dallas out of the end zone. That could have been really bad since that was one of the first plays for the Niners in the third quarter. As for the defense, they did sack Dak once, and that sack was recorded by Abukum. Uh, besides that, they had two interceptions, one by Warner and one by Lenore. So they were really good defensively, and Dak made a lot of really dumb decisions. And I mentioned before, Robbie Gould went four for four, and he made his extra point. So he has not missed a kick in his playoff career uh, still. Dak, though, 206 yards, one touchdown, two picks, sacked one time, QBR of a 51.5. They did nothing on the ground. Elliott had 10 carries for 26. Pollard had six carries for 22. Prescott had four carries or scrambles for 22. Pollard was having a decent game there. And then, unfortunately, he broke his ankle and he missed basically the entire second half. So Pollard's injury really kind of changed things for Dallas because Elliott is beyond watched at this point and he can't really move. So the Cowboys had to abandon the run. Dak really didn't do much, and the Cowboys offense scored no touchdowns in the second half. But to go through the receiving core, CeeDee Lamb did give the Niners problems. He had 10 catches for 117 yards on 13 targets. Dalton Schultz had five catches for 27 yards and a touchdown. Noah Brown had two catches for 21. T.Y. Hilton had one catch for 15. Pollard had two catches for 11. And that was basically it. So the Cowboys offense as I mentioned before, was underwhelming because they scored one touchdown and had two field goals with a missed extra point in there. They only had 15 first downs, did record 282 yards, but the Niners had six more first downs and committed two less turnovers, and that was kind of the story of the game. So not pretty, but the Niners got it done, and now they will look for a road upset as they will look to extend their winning streak to 13, but really just a matter of Physical play between two pretty very, they were just very good defense. I thought Dallas's defense was impressive. And yet the Niners just had a little bit more. And that was the story there. But as I said before, it is fun to bring it up again. The Niners have now really just been cooking. They've won, uh, what is it, 13? Uh, is it 12 straight now? 13 straight? I got to remember. Uh, that's four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10. Yeah, they've won 12 straight. So they are playing the best football of any team in the league based on recent form. The Eagles are the one seed for a reason. They're really, really good. And I mentioned before how they ended up beating the Giants comfortably as that game was over basically after one quarter. But the Eagles won that game by uh, 31 points. And to go through the actual stats here, Jalen Hurts was fine. Very good early in the game, throwing the ball, but then they got up by so much they didn't even need to care to throw the ball in the second half because they led 28-0 at halftime. But Hurts went 16 of 24, 451 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, QBR of 84. Also had a rushing touchdown as he had 34 rushing yards and a touchdown. Uh, Gainwell had 12 carries for 112 which culminated in that garbage time touchdown at the end. And Miles Sanders is 17 carries for 90 yards. So Philadelphia 
had 268 rushing yards, 6.1 yards per carry, three rushing touchdowns. I didn't mention Boston Scott had a touchdown too. But Philly really dominated in the trenches. They dominated on the defensive line and the offensive line. And that was the story because when you can run for pretty much 270 yards, you're going to win a lot of games. And Philly was able to just really suck the life out of the Giants in the first 15 minutes. It was 14-0. You assume the Giants were dead. And then it was 28-0, and you realize this game's over, and I could probably do something else. But to go to the receiving core, Devontae Smith had 61 yards and a touchdown. Goddard had 58 yards and a touchdown. A.J. Brown didn't really do anything. Had 22 yards on six targets, three catches. Also injured his hip late towards the end of the game. So he's going to play, but we'll see how healthy he actually is. And that was basically it. As for the defense, I mentioned before how they were able to record five sacks. Reddick had one and a half of those. Cox had one. Sweat had one and a half. And Graham had one. And the defensive line's been incredible. Season long of pressure on the quarterback. And that was the story once again. The Giants offensive line fell apart. Daniel Jones was horrible after facing off against Minnesota and torching one of the worst pass defenses of all time. Jones had 135 yards and no touchdowns. One pick sacked five times. QBR of 11.4. Have fun paying him, Giants, because it seems like you're going to bring him back, and he's still not that good. His main two games, or his two best games this season, were both against Minnesota, because that pass defense was the worst in the league. Jones made serious strides to become a tolerable quarterback, or potentially a decent game manager, but he's not going to win you many games. I feel like he's the guy who won't lose you much, but I don't trust him to lead a team on a game-winning drive late. I don't trust him to make some big throw down the sideline when he needs to. I think that he's basically a quarterback that's around 18 to 20 on the just overall league power rankings. If I had to think in my head of the quarterbacks right now, he'd probably be around 20. If you want to pay him for X amount of years, have fun. But you're going to have to build a hell of a team around him. And we'll see what the Giants do next season. But as for the ground game for the Giants, Barkley 61 yards, only nine carries because they trailed by a bunch in the start in the beginning. Jones at 24 yards, Breida had 23 yards and a touchdown. As for the receiving core, Richie James had 51 yards, Barkley at 21 yards, Breida had 19 yards, and the other receivers didn't really do anything. Darius Slayton had one catch for four yards, Hodgins had one catch for three yards, and that was the story. The Giants could not move the ball through the air. And the Eagles moved it however they wanted to, but mostly on the ground. And that was really how the game went. But either way, I'm going to mention, though, that Xavier McKinney did have the only sack for the Giants. And that was kind of the summary of everything. So the Eagles entered this game with a very impressive 15-3 and record. And there's a reason why you have to travel there for the NFC title game. is because this team's been incredible all season long. Now, I will point out. They have been favored in virtually every game because their strength of schedule is extremely weak and no offense to the Giants. It was impressive they got to this point with a 9-7-1 record, but the Giants entering the season were nowhere near the playoff picture, and based on how they looked on uh, in their last game, you can really tell the Giants just don't have enough talent, and Philly was the more talented team at basically every position. It's not the case this week because the Niners and the Eagles – in my opinion, are the two deepest rosters in all of football. I know Kansas City has Mahomes. I know it's Cincinnati has Burrow, and those quarterbacks are better than Purdy and Hurts. I know that. But from overall talent, from top to bottom, I think the Niners and the Eagles are the two deepest teams, which is why we should be in line for a hell of a football game. And to look at the actual spread and 
total for this game. The Eagles are favored at home by roughly two and a half, uh, and a bunch of money's coming on Philly. So if you want to back the public, uh, take the Eagles. If you want to back the Niners, I'd assume you could probably wait until it gets to three or maybe take it right before game time. But based on where the line is currently located, it does seem a little bit fishy. And I think you might see some late heavy money coming in on San Francisco. But to go through the actual spread, I think this game is going to be very close. Let me just say that. I'll go through my game prediction. I see a very ugly football game. I think the Eagles offense will really struggle because we know the Niners are one of the best run defenses in the league and Philly loves to run the ball. So I think that they're not going to be able to do so. I think Hurts are going to have to throw. A.J. Brown's banged up, so I wonder how effective he's going to be. But we've seen the Niners struggle against wide receiver ones in the playoffs lately. So I am a bit concerned if Brown or Devontae could get loose for a massive game. But I think you're going to see an ugly game. First team to 20 wins. I think it's going to be kind of similar to that Cowboys game. Just two really good defenses duking it out. And I think you'll see both offenses be a little bit conservative. You'll see some field position plays where they might just be punting in towards midfield, et cetera, to try to set up, you know, bad field position for the opposition. And I think you'll see a couple of really long drives, either from Philly or the Niners. They want to run the ball. They want to drain clock. And I could see a lot of really intense 10-plus play, 60-plus yard, 6-plus minute drives resulting in three points. And if that happens, the under is going to cash. But the total is 46.5. That's way too high. I'm on the under. I see a 23-20 type game. As for the spread, I'm really, really torn because I want to pick the Niners because before the playoffs started, my playoff Super Bowl prediction was the Bengals against the Niners. And so far, so good because both teams are still alive. So we'll see what happens. But I think I am going to pivot off of the Niners. I think I am going to lean to Philly. It's really, really difficult to play in Philly in January, especially with that home crowd. And the Niners, don't get me wrong, have been very good on the road this season, five and three. But you're looking at where they've played lately. They've played a lot of warm weather games or decent weather games. They played at home against the Cowboys, played at home against the Seahawks, played at home against the Cardinals, played in a dome against the Raiders in Vegas, played at home against the Commanders. I'm going to scroll back down just to see how far this actually goes, but let me see how far back it goes. Uh, Okay, so they played at Seattle before that. So let's stop with the Commanders. So they played each of their last five games in warm weather, basically, because it was either in California or in a dome in Vegas. Now you're traveling to Philly, where it's supposed to be around 10 to 15 mile per hour winds. I think Philly's got an edge because of the weather and the fact that Philadelphia, I just think, has more... I'm trying to think of how to describe it, because I'm going to say this. I think that they have more guts with play calling. Let's put it that way. As much as I love Shanahan as a coach, and there's a reason why he's a finalist for coach of the year and why I think he's got a decent shot to win it, it's either him or Dable, in my opinion. No offense to Peterson. But I do think that when push comes to shove, I'm afraid Shanahan's going to get very conservative with Purdy, like we saw in the first quarter or so in that Cowboys game. And I know Sirianni's going to let Hurts air it out. And that could go well or could go poorly. You could see Hurts make some mistakes. But I am concerned that the Niners will be a little bit tight offensively to start the game. And I think the Eagles are going to come out with a good game plan. And I think early on, they could open up a decent lead. And the Niners will have to claw their way back. It's going to be a very close game. I would wait to three 
if you want to take the Niners, because I think this game is going to land three, actually. But if you're asking me for my prediction, I'll take the Eagles 23 to 20. I hope I'm wrong. I hope the Niners win the game outright. But Philly's playing really good football. They're at home, and the weather is definitely going to be a learning curve there for the Niners, who haven't had to play in coldish weather for about a month. And I think that could be an issue. But you're going to be seeing an Eagles team that's very physical, that's able to pressure the quarterback. And we saw last week the Niners' offensive line had issues containing Dallas's defensive line, and that could be an issue for Purdy. So give me the Eagles, 23-20. to 20. So I'll link the Philly minus the two and a half. And my favorite play by far is the under. So I'm not going to bet the, the side. I think the side is where it should be. I think it's going to finish around where the closing line is. I'd be shocked if it wasn't a one-possession game in the final two minutes. So that could go either way. But I do love the under. This total is way too high, and I think you'll see a very ugly and physical game, which should be very competitive to the very end. So, once again, give me the Eagles minus two and a half and give me the under 46 and a half as my plays for the NFC title game. Once again, we'll be back next week, one way or another. Either the Niners end up winning and they go to the Super Bowl, and then we have an extra week off because you have a bye week in between the conference title games and the Super Bowl. So maybe we'll go through some props or maybe we'll just recap the entire season up to this point. Not sure what exactly we'll do. Maybe we'll do a Warriors episode since we haven't done basketball in a while. And once again, the Niners don't play next week one way or another. So that could be an option, but we will be back if the Niners win, obviously for the Super Bowl in two weeks. But the point is until next time, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye everyone. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.